our series, The King's Speech. And before I continue with anything that I'm going to say, I just want to thank Pastor Matt for owning the last two weeks of the message while we were on vacation. Matt, I appreciate you, and I appreciate your messages so much. Can we just do, uh, Motion City, can we just thank Pastor Matt uh, for uh, grabbing the reins the last two weeks? I appreciate it. Appreciate it. It was, it was so wonderful to leave on vacation and only worry a little bit. I used to worry a lot. Now I can only, now I only worry a little bit. And uh, <laughs> just some fun text messages. First Sunday we were on vacation. We went to a water park on Sunday. And I was so guilty the entire way. And my parents were like, you can't be guilt, feel guilty about this because this is vacation. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to feel guilty. I'm going to go down water slides. I'm going to have a great, great time. And I'm not going to worry. They've got it handled. And then there's just a bunch of text messages after I get out of the water. And be like, hey, I need your passcode for this. This isn't working. And it's like, shoot. And so then we got all that figured out Saturday. And everything was good the next Sunday. But uh, man, it is so good to be back with you guys. We can honestly, Jen and I, we honestly, we missed you guys. We missed being at Motion City uh, the last couple of weeks. But thank you for giving us the opportunity to go on vacation. For those of you who stepped up and, and served, those of you who continue to serve, thank you so much just for allowing us the opportunity to get away and get sick. Uh, so we are never going to Florida again. Um, but uh, we are in week five of our series, The King's Speech. And, and as we've been looking specifically at the Sermon on the Mount, as we have specifically been looking at the words, the message, the sermon, the speech that Jesus gave, to a crowd of people, whether they were there simply because he had gone through and, and done miracles. And maybe, you know, when you do an, an impressive things, oftentimes a crowd begins to form. And that crowd sometimes fluctuates between amazing moment and amazing moment. There were people that were there just because maybe they wanted to see Jesus do something amazing again. There were those, uh, his 12 disciples who were there who who were ready and, and willing and open to, to being taught about what does it mean to live a life in preparation for the kingdom? What does it mean to, to live a life that is in preparation to, of service towards our Father God? And then there were those who were simply just sick and tired of the circumstances that, that they had been living their life in and, and were just trying to maybe possibly figure out if there was another way. And so they were open and available to hearing from Jesus. And so this week as we continue, we're taking a shift from conversation, and we're taking a shift in conversation as we looked at in, in chapter 5. We looked at the virtue of what it looks like to live a life in preparation for the kingdom. Uh, Jesus is speaking of this is what a life looks like. When it comes to following me, when it comes to being in preparation for the things of God, this is what a life looks like. This, these are the things that we are. These are the things that we're not. And what Jesus is going to do is he's going to shift the conversation towards a, a very unique word, towards a very unique aspect of our life. And, and so what I want to do is I want to ask you a question this morning. And it was a question that was kind of throughout our discussion questions. But what do you think of when you think of this word? Teresa's going to put it up on the screen. What do you think of when you think of that word? When you think of the word motive, what do you think of? I know that there's been a lot of conversation in, in regards, there's always kind of continual conversations when it comes to church community about what is the motives of this church? What are the motives of this organization? And I think it's a word we often throw around and we use, but oftentimes, if you're like me, and I know that I am, I need to know the definition before I fully embrace what a word is. And so I went to the internet, an always reliable resource. Always. And I went to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, 
dictionary.com, and I have the definition of our words. So motive is a noun, taking you to school before school, because it is, Lisa. I saw it. Every time I say something, teacher Lisa just shoots her eyes to the sky and wonders if I'm right. But this is from the dictionary, teacher Lisa. It's a noun, and motive is something that causes a person to act. When we have motives behind anything that we do, there is something that has happened, something that we have experienced, something that we have perceived or seen, read about or, or watched, and it's something that, that moves us to something. It moves us to action. It moves us from the sidelines into the game. And, and so what we're going to be looking at as, as we move into chapter 6 is what Jesus does in his conversation is he begins to, re- to move from this is what a life looks like to this is, these are the motives that we're called to live with as Christians. If you have a, a Bible, I would invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 18. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. And we're going to be looking at a, a 18 verses, a, a passage where Jesus really begins to pull the motives of the people listening. And I think in 2017, pulling the motives of his church into the center of the conversation. Because the truth of the matter is, we do a lot of things. We do a lot of things as individuals. We do a lot of things as the church. We do a lot of things... But what Jesus is going to do is he is going to say, hey, I know you do a lot of stuff. But what's your motive and why? So Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 1, says this. Jesus says, he says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. For you will lose the reward, your fa- uh, lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need... Don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth. That would be an interesting thing to do if you have a Bible, is underline the times that Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. They have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. I believe that portion of our Scripture will give someone hope today. I believe that that portion will give someone hope Your father knows exactly what you need before you even ask him. As you learn in Dave Ramsey, financial peace, there's a difference between need and want, right? Yes. 
Teresa. There's a difference between need. I want a lot of things. I want a lot of things. I want, I want my voice to be better. I remember wrestling through this portion of scripture, and I was like, yeah, I want that. But it's amazing the day I had yesterday when I talked less. And I listened more. I wanted to get better. I wanted my voice to be back. But maybe in that moment, maybe my seven-year-old needed me to listen more than I do talking. So whoever is out there who just needed that word, man, I want you to know that God knows your needs before you even ask him. And then Jesus says this. He says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. Can you kind of notice a trend in the way that Jesus is addressing these specific areas of our life? What Jesus is doing is he's, 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 bringing, he's bringing our motives I think into question, but also just into reality because we never do anything as people without a motive. Right? Husbands. We wash the dishes. Sometimes to get a little kissy-kissy on the couch afterwards. We have a motive. Wives, I'm not even going to assume. I'm just assuming they're there. I'm not going to speak for you because there's more ladies in here and you could rush this in. But we never do some, I, honestly, I think that we as people, I think we are built with this sort of cause and effect reality built into our lives and, and we never do anything without a motive. Can we be honest and say sometimes our motives aren't that great? But sometimes our motives are good. And what Jesus is doing is he is bringing our motives and the motives of, of why we do things into, into the center. As we looked at the definition of, of, of what a motive is, something that causes a person to react. If I were to give you my definition, it would be, it's the why behind the what. Why do you do the things that you do? Why do we, why do we do, what is the, what, is the what that we're trying to get when it comes from the why. And it's a hard question to ask sometimes because depending on the circumstance or situations, oftentimes my motives for the same thing are different day in and day out, you know? I'm a fickle human being. I'm a, I'm a messed up, broken, self-absorbed human being at times. And oftentimes I can say I generally do the dishes because I want to serve my wife. And, and generally, I, and sometimes I, I, I do the dishes because I want her to notice it. It has nothing to do with service, but it has everything to do with receiving affirmation. 
And as Jesus talks through these four very specific areas of our life, these four different conversation points, the first being giving, the second being prayer, the third being forgiveness, and the fourth being fasting, he lays out a very precise roadmap for us. And he first begins with a warning. He says, watch out. Don't do as the hypocrites do, because what hypocrites do is their why doesn't match their what, because the only thing that they want is they want to be seen for the things that they're doing. It's such a struggle sometimes, I'll be totally honest, when it comes to ministry and social media, because there's, to there's moments where I just get like these sickening feelings in my stomach of why did I just post that picture? Why did we do that? Why do we, why do we fall into these habits? Why, is it is it because we truly want to give God honor, or is it because we want people to see the things that we do? It's, it's, it's such a fickle, sort of unique conversation that I have with myself all the time, but we live in an age where likes and reposts are the law. It's almost the currency of life. I'm going to do this. I'm going to say this thing. I'm going to post this thing. I'm going to post this picture. I'm going to post this, this thing that I'm doing because, man, I hope I get so many of those little white hearts in the yellow boxes on Instagram. And, and, and Jesus is very clear, no matter if that is the, the outcome that you were desiring, then, then, the, then you will live and die by the amount of affirmation that you get. And he's warning us today. He's warning me and he's warning you of your motives, of a motive check, of where's your heart when you do the things that you do, when we serve people, when we pray, when we take time to remove something from our life and refocus it on God as we do when it comes to fasting. Man, why do we do those things? Is it so that we can feel the affirmation of people, or is it because we are truly moved and honored and, and so in love with God that, man, there's no other response, there's no other human response that I could live my life with other than just doing this. So the truth is, I think that we are at a very unique place when it comes to, ch to church and, and, and culture because the reality is uh, our motives are never seen well, I think. You know, I've, I've grown up in church, been a pastor for 11 years, and, and, and there's always those conversations when it comes to tithes and offerings. That's always kind of the big one. What are the motives? Church just wants your money. And And the reality is, I, I can't answer for anyone else's motives. I can only answer for mine, which is what makes this so difficult. This isn't a corporate thing that we do as a church, but this is a personal thing that we do as the church. When it comes to our motives, do we seek the affirmation of men, or do we seek to honor God, and I can't answer that question for you. That's why this section is such a struggle, because this speaks to no one other than me. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18 speaks to no one in this room this morning except to me, because I 
have to internalize my motives. I can say what I want your motives to be, but you're in charge of your motives. You're in charge of the why behind your what. And God is gracious and he's merciful and he offers us forgiveness for when those moments our motives aren't exactly where they should be. But what Jesus is laying out this morning for us, what he's pulling into the center of the conversation is each of you individually, why do you do the things that you do? And then he, I just want to hit on this real quick, and then I'm, I'm going to be done, actually. That's, that's really all God gave me for us this morning, is just a really question of why. I think we've dealt, and we've seen, maybe we have been hypocrites before. But what we want people to see is Jesus, not us. Will people see us? Yes. I don't think that's, that's a problem if people see us, but are we doing things, the things that we do because we want people to see us? Or, man, maybe God through the Holy Spirit is just moving me to do this thing, to do this act of service towards somebody who's in need. Man, that's great. That's, that's awesome. And if, that, and if your motives are pure, man, praise the Lord. May God receive glory and honor from that. But, but again, let's, let's not forget that if we are doing the things that we're doing, solely for the praise of man, then we will live and die by the praise of man, and we will receive such a cheapened reward for the life that God has called us to live. And I don't know why this just hit me so heavily as I was reading it this morning, but verses 14 through 15, it says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you, but if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. It's a very unique divergence from kind of the tone that Jesus is speaking with where he talks about prayer and then he goes into forgiveness and then he goes into fasting. And one of the things that I remember saying so often when I was in my youth ministry days is that the proof of a transformed life is living a life that's transformed. If Jesus has done something in our lives, then our lives should be different. We should be seen as different. And not just like, oh, yeah, they don't swear. But, man, there's like a noticeable difference in who we are as people because of what Christ has done. And I think it's very intentional that Jesus would connect the, our ability to forgive with the reality of our forgiveness. So, okay, so Sandlot, Sandlot, it's summer, whatever. So the Sandlot, there's that scene in the, if you haven't seen the Sandlot, it's a fantastic movie. Um, it won't change your life, but it'll make you laugh. Um, but there's a scene where all the guys, all the boys get together in the, uh, in the treehouse, and there's that conversation about s'mores. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and, and the guy goes, hey, Smalls, do you want a s'more? And then this poor kid just goes, well, how can I have some more of something? I haven't had anything yet. And then there's the infamous line, you're killing me, Smalls. Thank you, Andrew. You're killing me, Smalls. 
and this is going to prove a point. I just want to set that up. <laughs> but, but the conversation was, is so profound in the sense that, like, the question was, do you want this? And the immediate response is, well, how can I give you some more of something because I haven't gotten anything yet? When it comes to forgiveness, we can never give what we have yet to receive. We can't give out of what we don't have. And our forgiveness is directly tied to our ability as Christians to forgive others. And Jesus is very clear. If you do not forgive, then your sins have not been forgiven. You are giving out of something that you have not received. You are giving out of something that you have not lived in. And so the reality is, man, we have been, we are people who have been forgiven. Therefore, we are people who forgive. And that's hard. And I'm not, I don't want to like tiptoe around that issue, man. Forgiveness sucks sometimes because I don't want to do it. I'm not in the mood to do it. My emotional well-being has not caught up with my spiritual calling, but Jesus says, you need to forgive. You need to forgive because you've been forgiven. The worst of you has been forgiven by the best of God, and therefore because we are the representation of God on this planet, in this country, in this city, whatever has happened to us, we have a spiritual mandate. We have a calling. We have a, 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 a sanction from the Father to be people who forgive. May we be noted, may we be known as Motion City Church, but as followers of Jesus more, as people who forgive and people who are more in love with doing the things that God tells us to do and commissions us and purposes for us to do, then we would be in love with the fact that, man, someone saw me doing something. That's a horrible way to live. I lived so much of my ministry career in that mindset of, man, who can see me? And honestly, when no one saw me, when we moved to Brainerd for a month and a half and we were planning this whole thing and, and I was just some guy, I was just, it, it kills you. Because I've lived all of my life trying to be noticed by others rather than being known by God. And so this morning, my question is, why do you do the what? What are your motives? And where's your heart? Father, I just, uh, God, I really do hate this portion of Scripture. It's uncomfortable. God, I like when you, t you have me talk to them, but it's very difficult when you talk to me. God, I pray, Lord, that you would do something in my heart, do something in our hearts, God, that only you can do that were to remove the focus off of ourselves and what others see and God would you just position us in a place that is so in such desire to just do the things that you've called us to do whether it's
whether it's to serve someone, whether it's to give money, whether it's to, whether it's to fast, whether it's to, God, may we do the things that you've called us to do because you've called us to do it. May our motives be right. May our motives be pure, God, that people wouldn't simply see people doing something to be seen, but God, may it be more than that for us. May it be more than that for us when it comes to how we serve and love this community, this city, and this world. God, may this not be about us. God, may it never be about us. But may it always be about you. And so, God, I ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would begin to work in each and every one of our hearts, that you'd begin to work in each and every one of our lives. God, that you would, as you did in Matthew 6, verse 1 through 18, God, would you just pull our motives into the center of the conversation? And would you allow us not to say anything, but Holy Spirit, we allow you to speak and shift and change and adjust. Father, it's in your name I pray. Amen.